Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Living Stream Ministry is happy once again to present the Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. Ron Kangas has joined us again to fellowship today and quite a lovely picture as Jacob gathers his 12 sons together to deliver a blessing. Ron, welcome back. Thank you for having me in for this program concerning which I'm particularly burdened in the Lord. Today we're going to focus on the group of Dan, Gad, Asher, and Naphtali. But briefly, before we look at that group, can you say something about what we have seen regarding Jacob speaking of these blessings? Here, Jacob is not giving a moral exhortation, and surely he is not engaging in an exercise of eloquence or natural speaking ability. In sharp contrast, Jacob is prophesying by speaking forth blessings upon his twelve sons. In order to speak with blessings in this way, we need to reach a stage that we are mature in the divine life. This speaking is full of life. It's full of insight. It is profoundly accurate and amazing in the way it unveils as a whole. God's economy with his people. I very much appreciate in these days not natural ability, not eloquence, but the speaking of a person who has spent decades with the Lord in his word, being saturated with him and filled with him to become one with him, to speak him forth. This is the kind of speaking we see with Jacob at the end of Genesis. And allow me to testify, in principle, this is the kind of speaking we have with Brother Lee in the life study of Genesis. Thank you, Ron. Let's join Witness Lee right now for this marvelous life study. Now, tonight, we have to see Dan's apostasy was to set up a divisive center to worship God. People always use this cloak of worshiping God. Many, many Christians would say, what's wrong for us to do such a thing for the worship of God? Isn't this much better than going to the casinos? But I tell you, if you have ever studied the history of the Old Testament through all those generations, nothing was so sinful as what Dan did. Nothing was so damaging the way of God's people as what Dan did. Dan set up 
a worship center for God in a divisive way. If we do know Deuteronomy chapters 12, 14, 15, 16, there at least more than 20 times the Lord charged the children of Israel, saying, when you got into the good land, you shouldn't uh, offer your burnt offerings in any place you see. You must go to that unique place which I choose, where I set my name there and where my habitation is. You must go to that unique place. You have no right to offer your burnt offerings in any place you like. No, you have no choice. It's altogether up to my choice. This is the unique center that keeps my people in oneness. But listen, when they entered into the good land, the tabernacle was the house of God. And that tabernacle, by that time, was in shallow. It was there as the unique center to worship God, to keep the unity of God's people. Well, the tabernacle was there, out of sudden, that set up another center, that set up a center to worship God. And that caused the first division, the children of Israel should be one. All Christians should be one. After the temple was built by Solomon, just in the second generation, Jeroboam set up a stronger idol in them to compete with the temple in Jerusalem. Well, Apostasy means to be distracted from the right track to follow God. Apostasy means to worship God in a devilish way. You are taking a devilish way under the cloak of worshiping God. This is apostasy. Ron, the word that we just heard concerning the apostasy of Dan was characterized as being more of a damage to God's people than probably any other sin. We not only heard the word apostasy, we also heard division and competition used in the same context. What is being portrayed here that's applicable to us today as New Testament believers? What I feel lies at the heart of this portion, as it applies to us, is an exposure of the self in spiritual or religious things. The Lord Jesus himself said in John, How can you believe who receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? So sadly, in the New Testament and also in church history, we see the abominable display 
of self-interest, self-glory, and self-promotion under the guise of doing a work for God and for the kingdom of God. Anyone who is self-motivated in the spiritual or religious realm will engage in competition with others. He will strive with others for prominence or prestige. This kind of self-promotion and this kind of striving leads to division. Sometimes strong, prominent, self-glorying religious leaders may agree to divide up the turf. I'll build a cathedral here. You build something there. This is my territory. That's your territory. Let's call this what it is. It's division. So I cannot, in faithfulness to the Lord, back down from helping to articulate the implications of Jacob speaking regarding Dan. There is apostasy here, worshiping God in a devilish way. There is competition here. There is division here. But what lies at the center? At the center is the self, with its lust for glory, with its promotion, and with its interests. Dan signifies those who worship God and who use the things of God not for God, but for themselves. How we need this matter to be exposed in the light of the Word of God, that all of us under this light may repent and receive the Lord as the tree of life and be one with him for his interests and his glory and use our energy to promote his truth and his move in this generation. Thank you, Ron, for faithful words. Dan was not the only son of Jacob. We have another brother with a little different story ahead. Let's take a look at Gad. Here's Witness Lee. Then Jacob, under the inspiration of God, put Gad in. You read. You could see Gad came in in a victorious way. And I do believe the very significance here indicates that this was a recovery. Gad came in to recover the last victory. The victory of Judah as the lamb was lost by the apostasy of Dan. Gad brought it back. And this time, it's much more advanced. Gad is no more just a young lamb. Gad is the top lambness, producing young lambs, producing cups. Then God was very happy with this. And God enlarged Gad, both in uh, Genesis and in Deuteronomy. God became the one who enlarged Gad. The best point in Gad's life is that he gained the land east of Jordan, but he would not stay there to enjoy it. He rather went on with all the other tribes to fight the battle, to gain more land, that all the tribes might have been able to share the same land. 
This is the Old Testament figure. The New Testament interpretation is doing everything you have to take care of the brothers. Doing anything you have to take care of all the members of the body. Many, many years, I couldn't understand Moses' word in Deuteronomy 33, verse uh, 21. The last part says what? And he came with the heads of the people. He executed the justice of the Lord and his ordinances with Israel. But, speaking the truth, now I really understand. It means what? You read the whole verse. It says... He provided the first part of the land, east of Jordan. He provided that part for himself, yet he wouldn't remain there to enjoy that first part. He came with the heads of the people. That means what? With all the princes of all the other tribes. You read Numbers, you could see the Aventine crossing the river Jordan, to fight the battle and to gain the rest of all the land. Not for himself, but for all the others. I tell you, this is what? This is the body move. Dad took care of the body. Then took care of himself. Individualistically. But Dad took care of the body corporately. Today, in the New Testament term, we often say, God was filled with body such. The reason of his success was that he forgot his own enjoyment. He took care of the body. He took care of the whole body. I tell you, this is justice. The failure of Dan was being what? Individualist. And the success of Gad was being what? Corporate. Dan was for himself. Gad was for all the tribes. Ron, there is a real contrast presented today between the experience of Dan and that of Gad. We see Dan's abysmal failure was due in part to his individualism, but Gad took quite a different approach. Say something more about this contrast. The contrast is between being individualistic and being corporate in the sense of caring for the organic body of Christ. Let us not misunderstand. We are distinct individuals, persons, who matter to God. But God's goal is not isolated individuals. God's goal is a corporate expression of himself through Christ with all the believers in the unique oneness of the body of Christ. In our previous comments on Dan, we stressed self-interest, and self-glory. Individualism is a kind of self-development, even in spiritual things, that takes place without consciousness of and due regard for 
God's goal, which is to build up the body of Christ. Gad stands in vivid and sharp contrast to Dan. Dan cared for himself. Gad cared for the brothers. He cared for God's people. He cared for the corporate testimony of God. If we are truly for God, then we will care for God's interest, God's concern, God's desire. And God's desire is to have a corporate expression of himself. What I'm leading up to is this. If we really care for God and care for Christ, we will care for the people of God and for the body of Christ more than for ourselves. Paul spoke along these lines in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. He said speaking in tongues is good, but it builds up the self. Prophesying, speaking for God is better because it builds up the church. So we need to ask ourselves what we are for in the Christian life. Just for ourselves as individuals? Or are we for what God is for, the body of Christ? So the contrast in brief is between the self and its interests and the body of Christ and God's interests. If we really see Dan in the light of God, we will turn to Christ that we may become a gad for the glory of God. Thank you, Ron. It reminds me that sometimes to see white clearly, we need to first see the black. The Lord followed this principle many times in giving the divine revelation in the New Testament, and it surely applies here and in our experience. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. Falling dead, Asher's here. Asher begins in what way? The exceeding blessing and the surpassing grace. Asher is blessed more than all the sons of Jacob. So the blessing he got is the surpassing blessing or the exceeding blessing for his fighting and building. He surely got the best provision, the richest provision. Then he has a bountiful supply of the spirit for his daily work. How you know it? Because he can dip his faith in the oil. This surely is a figurative speaking. That means you are just full of the spirit. The oil, we know in typology, always refers to God's spirit. My, we don't have just a little tickle of oil. We have so much oil, we can dip our feet in. Then, as we are in such a situation, we do have the absolute rest. Absolute rest with peace, strength, security, and sufficiency. Now, there was the need of Naphtali. Naphtali was a hind. If you read the New Testament, you can see all through the Old Testament, 
hind is a lovely animal. It is so living, it is so active, very strong. It can skip, leap over the mountain tops. According to Psalm 22, the title there, A Hind of the Morning, signifies what? Signifies the resurrected Christ. You know, resurrection surely is a morning. Christ in his resurrection is the hind in the morning. Everyone who experienced Christ as the resurrected one should be bubbling. The more we experience Christ as the resurrected one, my, the more we have something to say. Now you understand why Naphtali was a hind. He experienced Christ. So he was filled with the beautiful word. Ron, I thought this last segment was really wonderful. We have two beautiful pictures here in Asher and Naphtali. I think we all got impressed earlier not to take the way of Dan, but to practice a kind of body-conscious living like Gad. But how do we experience the blessings of Asher and Naphtali? We get these blessings by caring for the body of Christ. If we're still in Dan, we can't experience Asher and Naphtali. But if we are Gad caring for the body, then we will have the experience of Asher, that is, a rich experience of the Spirit of God, soaking us, saturating us, and filling us. Then we will have the experience of Naphtali, releasing the good news in the vitality of resurrection life. On the one hand, the more we are for Gad, the people of God, the more we have the Spirit and the release in resurrection. On the other hand, the more we are filled with the Spirit and live and walk in resurrection life, the more we will care for the body of Christ, be conscious of the body of Christ, and live in, through, and for the body of Christ. So the lesson in this message is simple. Turn from Dan, the self, care with Gad for the body of Christ by being filled with the Spirit and living in resurrection life for the spreading of the good news, the gospel, the revelation concerning God and his economy. Well, Ron, I sit once again thoroughly amazed, this time to have seen the body life, which is the yearning of so many of God's seeking ones, clearly revealed in the pages of Genesis. Thank you for your help today. We've selected a very enjoyable call to play for you today from a listener that did take the trouble. I hear Witness Lee in Los Angeles, and I just want to say that it was so exciting to pick up this radio program. As a new Christian, I literally cut my teeth on all of Watchman Lee's uh, books. And I would like to know, what is the relationship? Is this father's son or Uncle Matthew? Uh, what is it? But thank you so much for being there. Bye-bye. I really loved her comments, especially her testimony of how precious the writings of Watchman Nee were to her in her early Christian years. 
We talk to so many people who have the same fondness for his ministry. And one of the most inspiring aspects, I think, of our work here producing these broadcasts is when we hear from people who discover the same taste and depth and insight from the ministry of Witness Lee in these life study programs. Perhaps that's your testimony as well. Or perhaps you're discovering this kind of ministry for the first time in your life. In either case, I would be so appreciative of your call and comments. You have been listening to The Life Study of Genesis with Witness Lee. If you would like more information about this program, then please call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or write to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. You can also send us email at radio at lsm.org. For a free download of this program, or to find more information, visit us online at lsm.org. If you've enjoyed what you've heard from this Life Study of Genesis, then we encourage you to freely distribute this program. It's available in MP3 format. Again, it can be downloaded from lsm.org free of charge. Yeah.